Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. Welcome to the program. Nice to have your company. The, uh, there's a, a lovely little picture that I came across the other day. A very old writer many years ago said, here is what our life in this world is like. He said, it is like a big lit hall, like a big, I don't know, entertainment hall or something. I suppose he was thinking, because it was many hundreds of years ago, one of those big medieval banqueting halls. And he says, a little bird, a little sparrow flies in from the dark through an open window at one end of the hall and flies through the hall and out through an open window at the other end, into the darkness. Our life, he said, is like that, like that little sparrow. We come out of the darkness, we fly through the light of this life, that is the journey of life, and out into the darkness again. Where do we come from? Where are we going? Those are the big questions. And that's what we're talking about in this special series of programs, about the journey of life, the journey I'm calling Journey Towards God. One thing that seems to be perfectly clear about the journey of life it ends in death. It's not something we like to think about or talk about. I mean, try asking a friend, have you given any thought to your death lately? It's a good way to end a friendship. Throughout our journey through life, we keep ourselves busy and suppress thoughts of death. But despite our evasions, death is still the place where all journeys end. Or is it? There are three common ideas about what happens to us when we die. The first says that when we die, it's simply the end. We just cease to exist. Consciousness is snuffed out. The journey ends in annihilation. The second says that death leads to rebirth. We are reincarnated. The cycle begins again. The journey is an endless cycle. While the third, the Bible's view, says that death is followed by judgment and judgment by rewards and punishments. In other words, the journey ends somewhere quite specific. In fact, in two quite specific places, one pleasant, one unpleasant. The first view, extinction, annihilation, is held by those people who believe that the physical realm is all there is and that physical existence is the only kind of existence. For them, death must logically mean extinction and the journey of life is a meaningless ramble. This is the bleak picture embraced by honest atheists. Bertrand Russell, one of the best-known atheists of the 20th century, wrote, quote, "...only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair." Can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built? End of quote. However, most people believe that there is that in human beings which is beyond the physical, that which cannot be extinguished by physical death. Sometimes those folk who say, all is physical, claim to look forward to extinction with comfort, without despair. Mind you, they tend to take that view only while they're young enough and healthy enough to do, well, to do that closer to death you'll find them speculating about immortality but what they want is immortality without judgment in fact that's what most people want when you think about it they want immortality without judgment what about you what do you think will happen to you at death how do you hope your journey will end most people believe that uh, as well as the physical realm there's the non-physical realm And their hope is that their personality, their memories, their consciousness will survive the death of the body. If this hope is challenged, they are most likely, I think these days, to point to near-death experiences as support for that hope. The near-death experience, NDE, is what reportedly happens to some people, often in a medical environment, perhaps on the operating table. They appear to be or are pronounced to be clinically dead for a short time 
and then are revived. The majority, about 65% of people who have a short period of being clinically dead, report no experience at all. A minority report various types of NDEs, near-death experiences. This may involve a perception of being out of the body, looking down on one's body while resuscitation attempts are being made. It may involve seeing a bright light or encountering what appears to be a spirit world. Sometimes voices are heard. Sometimes peace and joy and warmth are reported. There are various elements that crop up in different NDEs. These experiences are often reported as evidence for immortality without judgment. Evidence that whatever the other side may hold is safe, non-threatening, and there are no rewards, no punishments. Death is like Santa Claus. Everyone is happy. Everyone gets gifts. Well, are NDEs real or are they not? And if they are real, what, if anything, do they tell us? Some recent explanations offered for NDEs are these. Here are eight different explanations. They may be hallucinations induced by pain or experiences induced by drugs, painkillers, anaesthetics and so on, or leftover memories from the experience of birth, or the brain's reaction to altered states of carbon dioxide, or psychological wish fulfilment, or seizures related to Jung's theory of the collective unconsciousness, or temporal lobe seizure, or sensory deprivation. Well, lots of different explanations have been offered. But what if none of these explanations stand? What if NDEs are real, non-physical experiences? In that case, we have to balance the bright light, warmth and joy stories with the other side of the picture, which has been much less widely reported, naturally enough. Dr. Morris Rawlings is a cardiologist and a professor of medicine at the University of Tennessee College of Medicine in Chattanooga. He constantly treats emergency cases who have NDEs, and he speaks to people immediately after they have been revived from an NDE. And he's used this situation to conduct a survey of what they report. He says that nearly 50% of a group of 300 he interviewed reported seeing fire, darkness, even demonic figures. Rawlings says these people later changed their story because they did not want to admit their experiences, not even to their families, perhaps not even to themselves. But that's what they told the doctor immediately after resuscitation. That more than balances those other reports of supposedly friendly spirit guides and supposedly joyful experiences. Well now, what, if anything, do near-death experiences or NDEs tell us about what happens after death? Well, the thing to bear in mind is that NDEs are very, very short. If the oxygen supply to the brain stops for more than a few minutes, permanent deterioration occurs rapidly, resuscitation quickly becomes impossible. Anything close to a few minutes, permanent brain damage can result. Most NDEs, as a result, are less than three minutes, usually a lot less. This is regardless of how long they feel subjectively to the patient. And don't forget 65% of patients who are clinically dead for a short period experience no NDE. My conclusion is that the people who have brief experiences of being clinically dead have not been dead enough for long enough to tell us anything substantial. To pin your hopes of eternity on what happened, or what subjectively appeared to happen in the minute or two when the wave went flat on the monitor, is to hang a great deal on a very slender thread. What about the second concept, reincarnation? Is that a possibility? The evidence that is offered for this notion of an endless cycle of births and rebirths consists of so-called 
memories recovered under hypnosis of earlier lives. The subjects are said to display knowledge they could not otherwise have, unless they had really lived in the earlier historical period, which, under hypnosis, they supposedly remember. Now, I've got no idea where these subjects might have picked up whatever knowledge they display, but I am confident it was not during an earlier lifetime on this planet. Why do I say this? Because of the notorious unreliability of hypnotic memories. Hypnosis, for instance, has been used to recover so-called repressed memories that happened not in some earlier existence, some earlier lifespan, you know, a couple of hundred years ago or a thousand years ago, but during the patient's own lifetime, usually memories of horrible events such as abuse during childhood. Investigations by distinguished teams of leading psychiatrists have now discredited many such recovered memories. They suggest that on most occasions the memories are in fact planted by the suggestions of the hypnotist or therapist. Now if that's true for memories of this life, how much more likely is it to be true of so-called memories of life in ancient Egypt? It was once pointed out to me that these hypnotic memories of earlier lives almost always turn out to be memories of being an aristocrat or even royalty. Very rarely does anyone recover a so-called memory of having once had bubonic plague or leprosy. I wonder why. Reincarnation, just like extinction or immortality without judgment, seems to hang on a very slender thread. By contrast, what the Bible says about what happens after death comes with the authority of God, the maker and ruler of the universe. It is the voice of God we hear in the Bible. Therefore, this message stands upon the rock-like authority of the one to whom we owe our very existence. The Bible says this, Each one of us is destined to die once and after that face judgment. That's what the Bible says. It says it in Hebrews chapter 9, sentence 27. That is where the journey of life really ends, not in death, but in judgment. And when you think about it, it has to be that way. Joseph Stalin slaughtered 5 million, or maybe 15 million, I forget the exact number, of his countrymen, and then he died peacefully in his own bed. What sort of justice is there in the universe if Stalin was simply reborn soon afterwards as a tiny baby in some young couple's Moscow apartment? Or if he went to a comfortable afterlife with no judgment? Or even if he was just snuffed out? Would that be justice? The hunger for justice that beats in every human heart is an echo of the image of God in which we were made, an image that lingers despite the corruption of human nature. Whenever a case of gross injustice is reported, there's a wide outcry. A universe without justice is a universe in which we would feel like strangers and orphans. But the universe does in fact meet this need for justice, because the journey of life ends in judgment. And that's why it's so important for you to make your peace with God in this life, in this world. In summary then, the Bible says God won't let us rebel forever, and that God's punishment for rebellion is death and judgment. The Bible says that each one of us is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. God's justice sounds harsh, but there is more to the story, and it all depends upon Jesus, who he is, why he came, and the vital role he plays in our journey towards God. Tomorrow night we continue our series, Journey Towards God, uh, and here's our thought for the night from Hebrews chapter 9 and sentence 27. The Bible says, We die only once, and then we are judged. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now.
We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.